the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Sunday evening. Uh, we're, we're live tonight to get the latest information on a couple of hot topics, I think hot topics. In the second half hour, we're going to be talking about the Yankee Peddlers, something nice. It's going to be a Ohio festival that you can go out and enjoy, like old times. And I mean like old times from 2019 and earlier. Uh, but uh, first, we're going to be talking about what we've been talking about now since March of 2020, and that is COVID. And we have a returning guest, the, the good doctor, Ann Carroll, who uh, works on the front lines in an emergency room here in northern Ohio. And uh, reads extensively on what's going on with COVID. And uh, as new information emerges, we have new concerns about ourselves, about our health, and what we can individually do about it. So I'd like to welcome Ann Carroll. Dr. Carroll, thank you for joining us as always. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me, Nick. Well, you've been not only working with people with and without COVID in the normal day-to-day emergency room operations, but you've also been doing a lot of reading on what is going on with COVID and, and where are we today, early September 2021. And first off, well, how's it looking in the hospitals? Well, we don't, we're seeing more and more COVID, but not so much being admitted to the hospital. So that's the good news. That but, is good. Um, <laughs> We're still seeing it, and we're seeing a lot of people who've been vaccinated are getting COVID. And um, in the beginning of the summer, I was seeing people coming in, and they had COVID symptoms. They're saying, well, I've been fully vaccinated. They had their card, and we test them, and they were COVID positive. And a lot of these people were really sick. And I kept reading everything. I'm saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? Are we having breakthrough disease? And I couldn't, you know, all I found was a, a, a rare breakthrough illness uh, with the vaccinated. And I thought, well, how can this be? Why am I seeing so much of this? So I started networking with my friends across the country doing the same kind of business I Mm -hmm. do. And they were seeing exactly the same thing. They were seeing a lot of vaccinated patients coming in with COVID. Some of them were quite sick. We had to hospitalize them. Well, back in May, the CDC knew then that they had, before the Delta variant even came here, They had over 10,000 breakthrough cases from people being vaccinated and getting COVID, but they didn't let us know that. And um, so then they were just keeping track of people that were unvaccinated. So that was really a skewed population. We think think about now it's about 50-50. About 50% of new COVID cases are in vaccinated individuals and about 50% in unvaccinated individuals. So here we are. Um, the UK just came out, uh, they're following the variants, and they just estimated that there are 20 different Delta variants in this country alone, 20. 
So uh, it doesn't seem that the vaccine is protecting us like it was supposed to. So what do we do now? You know, that's the big question. Um, the one thing that we do know that really makes a difference, and I don't think a lot of people know about this, are the monoclonal antibodies, the infusion. So you risk stratify. If somebody's diagnosed with COVID, you don't wait in the past. So we'll go home, isolate yourself, blah, 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 fluids, whatever, treat your fever. And if you start getting short of breath, we'll come to the hospital. Then they get admitted. And it's really the horse is out of the barn at that point. So the key here is early treatment. They're finding that monoclonal antibodies reduce the incidence of mortality and hospitalizations by 70%. That's huge. Florida is already opening mm -hmm. all these satellite clinics. Michigan is doing it now. And everybody ought to get on the horn tomorrow and say we need to do this in Ohio. Now you can go to the emergency rooms, uh, at least in Northeast Ohio. Everybody's pretty much in tune to it and say, I need a, I, I, I'm positive. I have all these risk factors. I need the monoclonal infusion. Many of the hospitals already have it set up that they'll call you the next day and arrange it so you can get the infusion. Well, this is something, this is, this is something that has to be done in a hospital, right? Well, it's outpatient, outpatient infusion. Right, you don't have but, to be admitted. In fact, there's this really mm -hmm. strange regulation that if you get admitted to the hospital, you can't have the monoclonal infusion. You cannot? Such a thing. Cannot, no. Okay. They what's, won't give it to you. Well, no, what's the it rationale for that? It has to be outpatient. <laughs> what, what is the rationale and, for that? I, there, there is no rationale. That's the problem. So this is an outpatient infusion. It takes an hour. Then you have to wait an hour, and then you're good to go. What are the risks and, uh, and side effects of the monoclonal infusion? Well, this, they're actually not very significant, um, but because it's so new. The infusion takes an hour. Some people say, well, why don't you speed it up? Well, that's when you speed up the infusion. That's when you see an increased incidence of side effects. So we know that giving it over an hour is a good time, and watching the patient for an hour because it's a new thing that we're doing, and they're okay in a, in a secure, protected environment, then we can let them go. Well, what's the volume of the antibodies that are being given? I don't how, know. How do they the measure exact, that? Uh, that I don't know. It's a, it's a Regeneron, so it's a, it's a standard dosing. And I'm assuming it's just added to an, a saline IV drip that uh, you have while you're getting infused. Is that how that works? Um, I think they have their... It is already pre-mixed, and they just infuse it. So you just get a bag hanging up, get um, yeah, in, not injected, but you get the uh, access. The and, IV, and you move on. Yes, correct. Well, the um, the, the ins, ins, information that we're looking at is the vaccinated versus unvaccinated. How how are things going for the unvaccinated? Um, well, I'm seeing a lot of people who are COVID positive and unvaccinated, and they're not in the high-risk groups, and so their chances of going on to severe disease um, are, are like they have always been. Um, we see unvaccinated individuals who are, are quite ill, and we have to admit them like we did before. Um, the Delta virus is about 50% more infectious than the original COVID, so we're seeing a lot more of it, but not necessarily a lot more illness you know, serious illness with it. It's the same patient population that if we had an unusual community-acquired uh, disease going on, they would get it and uh, they would be 
quite ill from it or die from it. It's exactly the same. We're not seeing a difference. So our vaccines, we need to protect our most vulnerable population. That's the elderly, those individuals' comorbidity. Um, there's a new study that came out, you know, when people say, you know, they're panic-stricken. What's, what's going to happen? I'm seeing all these people who've been right. vaccinated getting COVID. So we're still under the mask mandate. Well, there have been a lot of studies that show that masks don't work. Well, I don't have a problem if somebody wants to wear a mask. I, I could care less. But let's say you have COVID and you're wearing a mask and you don't know you have COVID. So you're breathing in and out the same virus. Breathe it in, breathe it out. You keep re-inoculating yourself with it. Well, in Singapore, they did a study, and I, we're all doing this now. They took betadine, and they made a dilutant, and they would gargle with this dilutant betadine three times a day and swab the nose with this dilutant betadine three times a day. It kills the COVID virus within 50 seconds. This is great. So we take it. I mean, I do it in the morning before I leave for work, midday, and at night. Betadine or so something it, else? It's betadine. You mix it. You can go. You can you can buy it online already pre-mixed. The gargle and the nasal swabs was very expensive. People can gar- can Google it and find the recipe, and that's what a lot of us have done. Is, beta, is betadine it, more like a um, like an iodine-based thing that they use to right, like, prep, prep skin for surgery? Yeah, for surgeries, kind of right. Right. Uh-huh. So that was a study that came out of Singapore, and uh, that shows a lot of promise in terms of what you want to do is you want to decrease your viral load as much as possible. You know, that's, that, right. was the, that was what we were trying to do with masking and, and, and distancing and, and all of that, is to decrease the exposure to the virus. Well, this is something you can do for yourself. There were some and, uh, commercial mouthwashes that had a similar effect. Are those still valid? Right. Yeah, the CPC, like you'll find in, um, uh, I think it's uh, the Crest or whatever, Intense. That's what we were all doing, but it wasn't a nasal swab part of it. <clears throat> and they're saying that, from what I've read, from different authorities all over the world, that the the COVID virus stays in the nasal pharyngeal uh, space for about three days before it starts to migrate. So what's the best way? Stop it where it starts. Well, we're talking to Dr. Ann Carroll, an emergency room physician and a, a current student of what's going on with COVID, reading the latest literature. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after that, back with Dr. Carroll to continue to talk about COVID and what are we doing now about it in September 2021. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you on this Sunday evening, beautiful Sunday evening here in Cleveland, Ohio. We're talking to Dr. Ann Carroll, uh, our physician who's been calling us here for over, it's been over a year now, Ann, hasn't it? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And you've been step-by-step taking us through the twists and turns and the ever-revealing new information about COVID and what we should do about it. Uh, tonight we're talking about, uh, I guess, two distinct groups. We have the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, uh, the concept of COVID-19, and now the concept of the Delta variant, which spun off from COVID-19. Uh, to be clear, maybe re- recap something just briefly, uh, Dr. Carroll. 
is that the COVID-19, in your opinion, pretty much has passed, and now what's dominant is the... Right, it's pretty much, as already say, better than 90% of, of the COVID that we're seeing now, the virus that we're seeing now, is the Delta variant. And, so and the original virus is past tense. It sort of mutated away out of... Uh, right, correct. We, we sort of ended the pandemic with regard to COVID-19. Uh, with regard to the population, we have half vaccinated, half not vaccinated, and of course all the children not vaccinated. Uh, for the unvaccinated, what risks do they have, and how does that change from those who are vaccinated? Well, uh, the risk remains the same for the unvaccinated, but there's a whole patient population that we don't or isn't discussed, and it's the COVID recovered population. And Cleveland Clinic did a really good study, um, good old Cleveland Clinic, that if you had COVID and you recovered, you did not have to be vaccinated. That wasn't put in the mix. And so people who are, have natural immunity because they had the disease, they are protected. Um, they may get infected again with the Delta variant, but because they have a polyclonal immune response, their illness will be very mild. That's what we're seeing. So there's a whole bunch of people who aren't vaccinated who already had the disease. And so, you know, that's great. That's very good. I think some authorities are saying we ought to be testing people before we give them the vaccine to make sure that they don't have natural immunity. Will, that natural, we... will the natural immunity from having COVID-19 protect them for the Delta, from the Delta variant? Yeah, so that was a big study that's being done, and the, it seems that the, the feedback is you could get COVID again. It would be, the I'd say, COVID-Delta. But because you have natural immunity to the original COVID and you have a polyclonal immune system as a, a result of that, not monoclonal, but polyclonal, that your body can will fight it, and you may get ill. You might have a sore throat for a couple of days, and that's it. And uh, so your your ability to fight the the variant is much greater than the, the vac- actually than the vaccinated. And of course, so, than so the, the jury may jury may still be out yeah. on that. What, what about the talk yeah. about um, boosters uh, for those who've been vaccinated? Uh, I, I think for the Pfizer and the Moderna, they're talking about a booster, and they, they may be talking about a booster for the Johnson & Johnson, maybe different time well, timelines for that. Well, what's what's well, your thought? Uh, well, I, th- I throw this out for people to critically think about it. So they want to give a booster with a virus that's no longer in the community. It's not a Delta booster. It's the original COVID. That's the vaccine. That's what it was made. So... Some of us are questioning why would we get a booster for a vac- for a virus that we don't see now? Does the medical uh, community agree that uh, the COVID nineteen is dead and the vaccines only protect for that, and every everyone is equally vulnerable then for the well, Delta variant? We're, I think the problem is we're seeing so much breakthrough illness. That's what it is, and. Uh, I mean, I, I saw a lot of it. I told you when I, in the beginning of the summer, and, uh, you know, when I couldn't find the data, I'm looking all over the place. And the only when I networked across the country mm-hmm. did my, my peers that were seeing the same thing. And then it surfaced that, you know, that uh, people weren't being, even the vaccinated people were not being protected from the Delta variant. Uh, variant. Talking about the breakthrough infections, do you have any feel for percentages or the quantification 
of um, the percentage of the breakthrough viruses, which are mostly from the Delta variant, are are serious in nature and do require hospitalization, or, yeah. or are many of these unreported and mild? Um, no, actually, I've seen some pretty significant illness uh, from the Delta variant. Um, it, some authorities are saying it's because the the viral load something is going haywire. I don't I don't have all the facts. I just know what I read, and I read a lot, and I read a lot from a lot of sources all over the world. And some people are are concerned that there may be something called an antibody dependent enhancement. That some some there's some haywire with vaccinated that they're exposed to the mute the the variant, and their body rather than protecting them somehow the virus escapes and it multiplies. That's what they're thinking. They're seeing, I mean, the, the, what happened in Vietnam, they found the, the vaccine had 250 times the viral load than an unvaccinated individual who got the virus. So all of this we're looking at very, very carefully. I, you know, I just know that I've seen a lot of very sick people with COVID, with the Delta. We don't know. We swab them, and so we know they're either positive or negative. And then it's sent off to labs, and they do genomic sequencing, and that's how we know it's Delta. What are we average people to do uh, presently? We have two types well, of average people, those who are vaccinated and those who aren't. Well, what should we yeah. do? Well, we have to do some self-care. And, you know, I, I tell you, everybody, just start doing the betadine, pull it up online, Gargle, nasal swabs, that's going to reduce your viral load if you're exposed to it. Certainly, if you have COVID in your high-risk group, you must get the monoclonal antibody. Don't wait until you're sick to go get it because then it's maybe too late. There's prolonged hospitalization. This stuff is really working. A lot of people don't know about it. So that's the second thing. The other thing is that we talked about before about making sure that you have vitamin D on board. So they did studies, and they showed if your vitamin D level was 50 to 55 and you get COVID, you probably will have a much less severe case of COVID than if it's like less than 20. So certainly in Northeast Ohio, people need to get vitamin D. So are, are, we, getting more vitamin, are we getting more vitamin D in the summer with the sunshine and being outdoors? Well, you get more, but how, you, you have to be outside a lot. Most of us aren't. We're sitting in the, our concrete uh, offices. We don't want to risk know, right? uh, skin cancer. Right. Though. Well, that's true. So vitamin D, it's easy enough to take a pill a day. Vitamin C, zinc, and quercetin. A lot of people don't know about the quercetin. It works. It's synergistic with zinc. And zinc, it helps zinc get into the cell. And zinc is really good as an antiviral. Um Studies have found that quercetin and zinc, that combination is almost like a weak hydroxychloroquine. Um, If you had it in your lungs, this is not the drugs that you'd want to use for treatment, but it looks like it uh, has some ability to suppress the viral load. And that's what it is, get rid of the virus. A a little bit is better than a lot. You you mentioned hydroxychloroquine, uh, a Uh name of a drug that has been bantered about uh, for, for many months. What, in your opinion, is the true efficacy of hydroxychloroquine, if at all, with regard to COVID-19? The FDA says and the CDC says it's not. What, what do you, what well, do you it's an out? interesting thing. Well, last year, before it was banned, 
And now we have over 200 studies that support the use of hydroxychloroquine early. They were doing it when the patient was sick. It doesn't work that way. You have to do it when it's early. Diagnose, treat. You know, some authorities are saying take it at prophylaxis. If you have a large population, community population with COVID, you may want to uh, prophylax those individuals who aren't sick with it to prevent them from getting the disease. So this is coming to the forefront. A lot of, and I don't understand, I've never seen anything like this. Um, Last week, the Ohio Medical Association came out and essentially said they were banning physicians from using ivermectin. I've never seen anything like this where we are, our hands are being tied. I mean, remember the wonderful blue pill that came out? That pill was designed to control high blood pressure. It found its side effect was treatment of erectile dysfunction. You know, there are lots of drugs that we use, quote, unquote, off-label. I've just never seen anything like it. If it's not going to hurt somebody, and it may help them, and a lot of authorities who are treating these patients are using these drugs, then why, why are we being blocked from it? Most physicians, I can tell you, don't have a clue. Excuse me. I don't have a clue as to how to treat COVID. They don't know. They're sort of, well, don't come to my office. Even even after a year and a half here, it's amazing. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Um, So, you know, your radio show, hopefully we'll get the news out. Monoclonal antibodies, monoclonal antibodies, get that infusion. This is the game changer. So, you know, help yourself. Betadine, go ahead. Monoclonal Antibody, um, infusion. Infusion. Well, mm-hmm. well, very good. Dr. Ann Carroll, as always, um, you're out there fighting the fight, really fighting the fight. It's not hypothetical to you. You're seeing real people. No. And uh, we'll have to have you on again next month to get another update. When I first started talking <laughs> about uh, COVID, I thought, well, we'll do this for a couple of months. It's now been a year and a half where this mm-hmm. is still a very important uh, topic. The yeah. disease is still out there and it's still very dangerous. So anyway, Dr. Carroll, thank you for joining us. And thank you for having me, Nick. Thank you. We'll have you next time. Uh-huh. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, And um, we're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to be talking about festivals in Ohio. And as we end the the latter days of summer, the golden afternoons and the uh, being outdoor, the smell of wood-burning campfires around and uh, looking at people who are selling crafts dressed in 18th century costumes, can that be? Well, we have uh, Frank uh, Kachka with us. Frank, how are you? Thank you for having me on, Nick. I'm fine, and we're glad to be going this year. Last year was a, it was not a good year. <laughs> we, we've had you on for how many years now, except for last year? It's been it's been many. Honestly, I, I can't remember when we first started, but it's been a number of years, yes. We've been doing this for a number of years, and it was so difficult not having you or anybody else on promoting any kind of thing any of us could do last year, the year of 2020, like, didn't happen. 
Yes, that's so true. It's kind of a nasty thing. But we're back with the famous and fabled Yankee peddler. For those people who are listening tonight who have never heard of the Yankee peddler and wondering what in the world am I talking about, what is the Yankee peddler? Well, Yankee peddler started 48 years ago. Um, it would have been 49 had we had one last year, but uh, way back in 1973 was the first Yankee Peddler Festival. And simply what we try to do at the Yankee Peddler Festival is when you walk in the gates, leave all the modern world behind and discover what it was like to live in, on the frontier during the colonial period as we moved into the Revolutionary War period and the early years of the Republic where at that time there were no big industries, there was not a lot of, there was absolutely no manufactured items. People made their own things. And we have a number of artists and crafters who do just that right on the ground. They set up little shops, they demonstrate how they make their products, and they sell them to the people who uh, come through the grounds. At the same time in that period, there was a lot of good outdoor, what we would call outdoor food made over open fires. And uh, all of our food is made over open fires. They're the kind of things that you might have found back in those days, like apple fritters, um, smoked turkey legs, um, which are very popular <laughs> on our grounds. Um, so, so we have food. We have artists and crafters who demonstrate, and then we even bring in people who, uh, groups that demonstrate. We have a weaving and spinning guild. Uh, we have uh, mountain men from the period of time that settled these areas, even though we don't have big mountains in this area, but there are people who lived on the frontier. Um, and, uh, and as we expanded through the years, we now also include a Civil War demonstration. Um, and this year, the Civil War demonstration will actually be firing a cannon. Um, which causes a lot of excitement when, when it goes off. Um, so we have entertainment. Uh, also, I should point out, we also have a great deal of entertainment on the grounds. I think uh, you've been down and seen it. We have uh, uh, puppet shows for the children, and they're also for adults. We have a number of really good musical entertainers. Um, the first, we feature the Plate Scrapers, uh, an old-style band um, that's rather popular on the East Coast that will be coming in um, on the first weekend. And uh, we have a number of our, our more permanent musicians, musicians who are famous in our region who play music from that period of time. Um, and this year, uh, for the first time, we're going to have Dr. Feelgood's Traveling Medicine Show, something that we probably can all use, a little elixir to get through the times. Um, and and uh, so we're going to have a traveling medicine show come through on the grounds, and it should be a great deal of fun. Now, what's, is that going to be sort of like a living history person, uh, sort of reenacting what these people were like back in the 17 and 1800s? Yes, that's exactly what it, what this is. Uh, uh, I've I've heard parts of the medicine show. I've worked with some of the people, um, and they definitely are recreating what it was like to be at a, at that time. And these people were actually the doctors of the time. We also have uh, Missy Clark, who is a colonial uh, steeped in very much colonial tradition, who will be per, who is going to be one of the uh, what were called in those times plague doctors. They were the forebearers of our modern nurses, and they helped help people in, during the war. They helped people in their in their communities, um, but they were called the plague doctors because they were the only ones who were not afraid to deal with uh, sick people that were contagious at the time. Um, so we have a number of people who are all uh, acquiring those roles, and uh, it, it's it's a good time to be had by all, and it takes you back 
you don't have a lot of modern sounds and modern worries, just go back to what it was like at that time. Well, when we talk about being in, in the area, this is a place called Clay's Park down in the Canal Fulton area, which, uh, how many acres? About 100 acres or something? It's a sprawling yeah, the ground, location. Right. The grounds that the festival is on actually are 75 acres, but we then have an awful lot of uh, parking that surrounds the grounds. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very large area, but the grounds are not flat. Yeah, I think, as you know, they're, they're, they're kind of rolling. There's creeks that go through it. There's, uh, it's, it's all wooded, and it's a, it's a very lovely grounds, uh, pleasant grounds to be on. But uh, tell me the names of the different areas where uh, they are. You have some really colorful names that sound really storybook yes, almost. Yeah, the first area that the festival started way back in 73 is called Muskrat Cove. And it expanded Sounds after cute. that to Quail Hollow, to Hoot Owl Roost, uh, to Possum Run. We have an area called the Glen. And uh, those are the principal areas this year. I, I should mention that we've had to make some changes on the grounds. For those who have been to the festival before, there's going to be some changes on the ground, taking into account the reality of COVID and spreading people out. And uh, and so we've made changes on the grounds and moved people around a little bit this year. Um, and uh, the area that was previously called Militia Meadow now now will be our... Um, uh, it's called Liberty Village, which usually used to be at Gate One. We've we've had to close Gate One for this year, and uh, and we've moved Liberty Village into the area that used to be called Militia Meadows. So that is that was the last uh, area that we've added. Militia in the um, Liberty Village, excuse me, Liberty Village is where we do have contemporary artists and crafters. Now, this takes hundreds of people to put on. And after being a year off, how difficult was it getting everybody back, sort of giving us a behind-the-scenes look at what's going on? Well, you know, a lot of the people that have been working on this festival have been working on it for, I guess I could say, decades. And so uh, they were ready to go. Everyone's been ready to go. I think the the general feeling is it's about time and let's go. So everyone's doing it with a lot of enthusiasm. It hasn't been hard to get people to come back. Um, you we have to deal with the fact that some of our people can get have been ill with COVID and they may not be able to participate like they did, but they always have family relatives and other people that, that come together. And so all of the people that we've had in the past, they're back again. And it is an all-year-round proposition to organize it um, because there's just so many moving parts. Um, but everyone, it's it, it's been kind of buoyant because uh, everyone was so down last year, and this year it's kind of uh, effervescence and a lot of energy. What's the weather going to be like? Well, we're <laughs> praying and hoping for great weather. That's the key. Um, I understand the first weekend, which is next, uh, this coming weekend, the 11th and 12th, is supposed to be some rather nice weather in the mid-70s and sunny. So we're, that's the best we can ask for. Whenever you're outdoors anywhere in Ohio, uh, eating at this time of the year, uh, any sweetened uh, drinks or you have uh, corn on the cob, you, you might be seeing yellow jackets. I, I think last time we talked, you had some suggestions on what to do to keep them at bay. Yeah, the simplest way is to carry uh, some fabric softener sheets in your back pocket or, or in, in one of your pockets or near you. Um, yellow jackets don't like fabric softener, and they uh, stay away. We have a, a couple uh, honey booths and uh, beeswax booths, and uh, they are able to just keep them away by putting a lot of uh, fabric softener mm -hmm. sheets around. 
Okay, we're going to uh, have people call in now if they'd like to get some tickets for the Yankee Peddler. Call us here at WHK at our station number, 440-2, I'm sorry, 440-2, oh, I have a number, wrong number here. Here's the correct number, 216-901-0945. That correct number again for free tickets to the Yankee Peddler is 216-901-0945. And uh, we'll be here. Susan will take your call. And uh, we'll get some tickets out to you so you can join us all at the Yankee Peddler. But, uh, yeah, Frank, it's uh, looking like it's going to be a, a good time this year. And uh, the getting everyone back sort of working out. Is, is there, uh, well, we're going to take a break here in a moment. But uh, let everyone know we're talking to Frank Kachka. He's the uh, man in charge of the Yankee Peddler, which is going to be down in the uh, Clays Park area in, during the month of September on the weekend, so you want to be sure to go down there, pack everyone up in the car, and head on down to Canal Fulton and uh, join everyone as to what's going on. We're going to be back in a few moments uh, after our commercial break with Frank Katcher from the Yankee Peddler, finding out more about the Yankee Peddler, and don't forget your chance to win tickets by calling in here. And the number, again, is 216-901-0945. Okay, we're going to take our short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on The Advocate. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another and our final segment of The Advocate tonight. Uh, We're giving away tickets to the Yankee Peddlers, so if you would like to go down to Canal Fulton, during uh, the show, which is going to be three weekends in September, September 11th and 12th, September 18th and 19th, and September 25th and 26th. And the hours of the show are from 10.30 in the morning till 5.30 p.m. It's getting dark earlier and earlier. But when your tickets now, call us here at WHK. Sue will take your call. And the number is 44... I'm sorry, I keep, keep wanting to give you my home number. Let's give the number here for the studio. It's... Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Again, that number two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. And we're talking to Frank Kachka, the uh, person in charge of the Yankee Peddler. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, the Yankee Peddler. Uh, I mentioned the weekends, three weekends in uh, September. Is there any weekend different or other things happening, or are all weekends going to be the same? No, we do have some changes from weekend to weekend. As I mentioned in the first segment, we have the Plate Scrapers as the featured music act for the first weekend. The second, the third weekend, we will be having Madewell Music, um, led by Steve Madewell, as our featured act. And at the middle weekend, we're reserving for Children's Weekend when um, there are more acts and more events going on for children. Um, so we're going to be featuring rather than, well, there'll be music all, day, all the time. We have like five or six different musical groups that play across the grounds. But on our main stage, we're going to bring up Dr. Feelgood and Stephen Thomas uh, from Michigan, who is the saxophonist. I think you've seen him on the grounds. He wanders around playing saxophone. But he's going to be running a patriotic song workshop where we learn the, uh, the origins of all of our patriotic songs we have uh, even today. 
uh, back in the in the colonial and, and early revolutionary period. So he conducts that workshop, and uh, we dedicate. Uh, we're not going to be having our typical scavenger hunt because of COVID this year. Um, we're trying to minimize some of the contact between people and uh, and particularly children who are not vaccinated um so so we won't be having the scavenger hunt, but we'll have all of the demonstrations uh, and and theatrical productions and uh jugglers and magician for the second weekend um that we that we typically have well it sounds like it's going to be uh, you can go every weekend and find something a little different but uh exactly with with covid in mind uh what changes will we see down there should people wear masks or do they have to wear masks or what What's the masking well, rule down there? Yeah, we're following the CDC guidelines, and that falls in line with the state of Ohio and Stark County guidelines because the grounds are in Stark County. As an outdoor event, we don't have to. Ha- there's no mask mandate, so we're not going to mandate masks. Um, and but we are going to. Uh, we've rearranged the grounds. I think I mentioned this before to provide more social distancing amongst the participants, uh, the Yankee Peddlers, and, and the visitors. So we're trying, we want to keep people taking advantage of that outdoor fresh air that blows across and keeps the virus at a minimum. We want to take advantage of that. And so we've rearranged the grounds. As I said, we've closed gate one. Not too many people go through that gate, but that's closed. Um, and uh, and we're spreading out the, the participants in, on the grounds. We'll also have hand sanitizer uh, stands and more wash stands on the grounds for people. Um, and we will be asking people to social distance. It's, it's, it's only logical. Um, and most, you know, most of the people that are that I know of that work in the festival are artists and crafters. They're all vaccinated, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they they wear masks as well, um, just to just to protect themselves because they go to shows, different shows during the year, and they they have to they have to keep going as it were. Um, so so we don't have mandates, but we're asking people to maintain social distance, and basically to uh, you know my understanding is that by being an outdoor event where there's absolutely no um, congregation of people in one particular place that they should be fairly safe at the show. Well, very, very good. It's, as long as it's safe, that's the big thing. And uh, by that the way, is. congratulations to our winners, but uh, we have more tickets. If anyone would like to get free tickets to the Yankee Peddler, we'll get those mailed out to you. Uh, the number here at WHK is 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five, and that's the station, not my home. So give a call. <laughs> uh, so I know I just wanted to give that other number away, but uh, in, in in any event, uh, there it was a second section, a different area of the Yankee Peddler that you've had for a number of years. It's sort of a, a, a newer, later model version of the Yankee Peddler. Yes, that's what we call Yankee Peddler today. Um, we have authentic arts and crafts. One of the things that we always dwell on is authenticity. There is no buy-sell. We don't have people in the show that buy something, a kid or something from China, and then put it together and call it their craft. We, everything's authentically theirs. Uh, we vet people very carefully. So, and, the, and they are people who will demonstrate um, uh, in, in, in the show their arts and crafts. Um, so we have that, but do we carry that tradition into the modern 
today world, although we it, it's with the pleasant background of the Yankee Peddler, it's not with a lot of noise and a lot of uh, hubbub. Um, but we offer uh, th- this section for contemporary arts and crafts because typically, you know, our arts and crafts were from the 1776 to 1825 period. That leaves out an awful lot of artists and crafters. And the contemporary show picks up from the 1800s, and that's why we have a Civil War demonstration there and goes on. So you'll find photography, for instance, uh, which, of course, didn't exist during the 1776 to 1825 period, and other arts and crafts forms uh, with more modern substances, with more modern techniques uh, that you can find in what we call Liberty Village. That's where our Yankee Pillar today is. If you just absolutely have to have a carbonated beverage, you can get it over in the uh, the new area, the new America area. Yes, that's uh, that's <laughs> a modern drink. <laughs> that's a modern drink. Otherwise, you're going right. to have lemonade and some other. Sarsaparilla. Fruit. You could have sarsaparilla. It's sarsaparilla. not carbonated, and and we do have a root beer vendor who ma- makes homemade root beer and uh, birch beer. Uh, so there are things that are that are reminiscent of the drinks we have it, throughout the festival. But if you want a Coca-Cola, it's going to be in the Liberty Village. Anything uh, special that you have to do with food and, and handling food because of COVID, or is it pretty much going to be the oh, same? Yes. I, it's not really COVID so much. We're going to ha- ask people to spread out when they're in lines, um, and we've spread out the you know places for people to eat. But again, being outside, we're we're pretty assured that that we're that everything's going to be safe. Um, but all of our food has always been under the tutelage and auspices of the Stark County Health Department, and they're out there every day at the beginning of the morning, uh, checking out temperatures and making sure that the sanitary conditions are are. are perfect and otherwise they won't license the group for the day so everything um, is very carefully controlled when it comes to food on the grounds outstanding we're all looking forward to this and uh, one of the staples for the autumn season or the early early part of the autumn season is the uh, the Yankee peddler and Frank thank you for joining us uh, we're we're um, glad to have you I'm glad to have the Yankee peddler glad you guys came back after COVID it was, uh, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a cause for exuberance, and so I'm really glad to be back on with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you tonight. Well, very good. Well, when we come down, uh, I'm coming down to visit you, and we'll take a look. We'll walk around the Yankee Peddler. We'll, we'll look you up, and we'll see how things are going. And uh, I just Please picture, do, Nick. Just picture those golden days of late summer down at the Yankee yeah. Peddler. They are nice days. They're lovely days. They sure are. Frank, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for giving the tickets away to our listeners. Oh, sure. And you, uh, I sent some tickets along for yourself and uh, for everyone else there. If, if you need more, let me know. Will do. Glad to use them and glad to come on down. So thank you, Frank. Thank you, thank you Nick. So take care, and thank you for listening tonight. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind accompanied Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency Knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.